Good morning. Welcome to Living Hope. My name is Pastor Mona Stevens. For those that are online and maybe you've just joined us for the first time and all for the in-person people that are here, thank you for coming out and wanting to hear something from God. I truly believe that there is no coincidence with God. Eh? That we are exactly where we need to be because he has something for us. Really, truly, it's really about are we willing to have open ears and an open heart to receive what he has for us. I think that's where it actually starts. Many times we say we want to be healed, we want to be free, but when God gives us a word, we kind of actually don't want to uh, hear him or even embrace what he's telling us to do. And that is what this series is all about. The, the, the new series that we're doing for the month of August is called called Growing in Knowing. Today's part one, and the subtitle is To Know Him. And we're going to see the life of Paul, which says, Philippians 3.10, where it says, I want to know Christ. His whole pursuit in life, his motive was to know Christ in all of the events and the circumstances that he was going through. And we do see that. And so a lot of times we have a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, but that knowledge does us no good if we don't actually put it into a practical way in our life. And I'm going to show you through my own life and the different things that I've gone through, but also through the life of Paul, how he, the more he knew God, the more he knew his love for him, the more that he grew in his understanding, and the more that it affected his life. Now, God wants us to come to a greater knowledge of him. That is his heart. But so many of us think that God is distant and not able to talk to us when he has, he created a whole avenue for us to come to him through his son, through faith. And he wants us to experience him and experience his voice. He wants us to have an established love relationship with him and he wants us to be involved with his kingdom but that requires knowing his heart knowing his thoughts knowing his ways but many times we just know of him but don't know him intimately Paul shows us what it means to know him and how it affected his life in every aspect and then he goes on I know that for me to know him when we when we grow in this relationship by knowing who he is and then following through on what he has showed us, we actually encounter the power that is within us. You see, when we're born again, it says that God will give us his Holy Spirit, a a new nature, a divine nature that resides in us. That day was an exchange had happened. New DNA flows through my body. I understood that this is who I am, and whatever was before, I don't have to actually do a retake on that one. I could actually live out life, the more I know him, the more I understand who he is, the more I get transformed from the inside out. And it's a reflection. So if you look at my life, it's not just about knowing, having an intellectual knowledge of something. It's really experiencing that knowledge in a practical way in our lives. That is what Paul is trying to show us. So here we see here that in John 12, 26, when we know, it should, be, uh, it should be followed by us doing exactly what has been brought to us by God. John 12, 26 says this, If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be. Also, if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now, growing in knowing means that that there should be a desire to see the knowledge that you're going to get today 
be, uh, become more than just information. It's more than just, you're not just reading a newspaper. When you read the word of God, it's, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it should do exactly what that word says. The word says you're going to be free, then the word says this. And the problem with us not being free is that we don't know how to do the following, the practical, and how to just join God at what he's doing. So knowing, growing and knowing means that we have a desire to let that knowledge become more than information. Now Blackaby says this, when we have a knowledge of God, it should bring a ripple effect in our life. If we know him, we should start loving him more, which causes us to believe him and to trust him in such a way that we're going to start obeying his call when he reveals himself to us. Now, Blackaby said that when I get to know God in his word, when I get to know him when someone's teaching or when I'm talking to someone who's like-minded and they share the heart of God with me, when I get to know him, that knowledge should bring me to a place where I kind of love God more. It's like if I wanted to get to know, you know, Shelly and I wanted to walk with her, I need to get to know her before I get to love her. I need to actually love her before I can believe her when she says she's going to be there for me. I need to believe her before I can actually trust her to really carry through her walking with me. That's what a relationship is all about. It's the same thing with God. To know him, to love him, then that brings me to believing in him, to trust him, and then the follow through, which is the obey, obeying him. Our scripture for this series is in Philippians 3.10, where he says, I want to know him. It is a personal request. It is something that he's experienced personally. He didn't ask somebody else to get to know Christ for him. He didn't go and get his little crumbles from somebody teaching him. No, he wanted to get to know Christ for himself. The commentary says this about this little portion. To know him means to gain practical day-by-day -day acquaintance with him in such an intimate way that the Apostle Paul himself will become Christ-like. So what he's saying there is that if his pursuit of God, his knowledge of God brings him to this understanding that develops a greater love and a greater belief where he starts trusting and obeying God, that he's going to start reflecting Christ. And I believe that's the challenge for all of us here. Roxanne Brandt, who was a great woman of God in the 70s and in the 80s, I believe. Uh, she, was, she had a voice, uh, a prophetic voice, and she said this. She said, the danger today is that we will merely center on the, true, uh, the tree of knowledge and forget about the tree of life. That we will be satisfied with knowledge and forget the life of God. That we will be satisfied with the words of man and forget our need for the life-giving word of God. You know, sometimes we settle for the words of man and not the words of the life-giving word of God. Everything in your Christian life, everything about knowing him and experiencing him, everything about knowing his will depends on the quality of your love relationship to God. Now, realistically, in our personal relationships, it all depends on that too. 
If I really loved my husband, then I would go the second mile. I would give him my cloak. I would be patient, kind, and loving to him, despite what he was doing to me. Relationship takes commitment and sacrifice, but it is the same thing with the most important relationship in our life is our love relationship with God. And it's amazing because we pursue many other things in our life, but we rarely pursue Christ like this. And because of us, many of us have such a shallow relationship with God. We have a lot of knowledge, but we go around like a chicken with the head cut off because we, we have not made the connection. Blackaby said this, if you really know and believe that God is love, you will also accept the fact that his will is always best. Now, I believe this is a point of contention for most of us. We have issues with the goodness of God. We don't believe his will is best. It's perfect and it's just. I know this to be true because I only have to look at how you make your decisions. Many of you make your decisions and choose without even going to God. You don't go into words, you don't wait, and this is not a condemning thing. I'm just showing you that growing is knowing, that we need to know in order to grow in how we do this practically, how we bring God in. Your relationship, your relationship with God right now reveals what you believe about him. It is spiritually, listen to me, spiritually impossible for you to know and believe one way and practice another. You may know that slander and gossip is wrong, but you probably are practicing slander and gossip and think that you can actually be justified in doing it. But you understand that you, this is a, a, it's, it's, it's a dichotomy. You can't do it. It's spiritually impossible. You may say, oh, I trust God, but you put all of your confidence in what you have in the bank. Oh, I trust God, but when things happen, your fear and your anxiety and worry is the first thing that everybody sees. And so you need to see that is your knowledge of God, is it just information, or have you brought this into your practical day-by-day -day situations? All of you are in, in situations, one another, an event, a trial, a difficulty. And many of us, we may know a lot of things about God, but it doesn't mean that we can practically use it to help us to join what he's doing and watch what he's about to do in our life. See, knowing God is about claiming who God is. We claim who he is. He's good. He's powerful. He's almighty. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. He's compassionate. He's love. He's forgiving. We proclaim those things, and but we need to proceed by waiting and watching to see how he is. He is this in our life, and then we need to join him in that. Paul understood this importance of knowing in order to grow in his understanding and then walking in the power of the resurrection of Christ. He was single-minded in his pursuit of God. Sometimes we're so single-minded in our pursuit of our dreams and our longings of what we think we should have to the disregard of what God is trying to teach us in our events, in our situations. You see, this is what he says in Philippians 3, 8, 9 to 10. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. When was the last time we ever felt like that about Jesus? 
What was the last time we said, God, I, I'm, I'm ready to lose everything in order to, you know, to, to gain this greatness of knowing you? And then he says, and be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. And then he goes on in three, uh, Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of a sharing of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Christ did nothing without the Father. Christ obeyed what needed to be done because, you see, he saw the bigger picture. So many times we're tunnel vision when we're going through difficult times. So let me give you a little background about Paul. Paul, as you read Philippians 3, 1 to 6, gives you a little understanding of what he lost, what he was before Christ. Now, we know that he was a rabbi, a teacher of the law. He, was, he had prestige, he had title, he had power and had authority. But what we discover is that he sees all of that as rubbish. In comparison to pursuing Christ and getting to know him and experiencing his power, he said, I'd rather have all of what Christ had than keep all of this prestige, all of this stuff. Because he said at the end, he said he could not be satisfied with any of it. And he understood that all of his good works, all of the things that he would serve and do, he came to the conclusion that couldn't even get him to heaven. Like many who are religious, Paul had enough morality to keep him out of trouble, but not enough righteousness to get him into heaven. See, many people say, well, I'm good enough. But what you're doing is you're comparing yourself with yourself. Or you're comparing yourself with the worst person around you. Yeah, you, I can find a whole lot of people and I can look really good in, in comparisons to them. But when Paul looked at his life, he examined his life and he realized, whoa, 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 no matter how, because he was great. I mean, since he was young, he had actually studied all of the books. So this man knew the law. He knew the ways of God, but he missed it all. Then one day, Paul the rabbi meets Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And on that day, Paul's values, his perception, his understanding changed forever. According to Acts 9, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he trusted him immediately and became a child of God. Do you know what it is to be a child of God today? Do you understand the benefits that you have because of what Jesus did? No, most of us, we forfeit because we don't know, we don't love, we don't believe, we don't trust, and we certainly don't obey. And when we don't obey, we forfeit the privilege of that power that works mightily within us to bring us to that transformation. We rely on our own selves to be transformed. So we modify our behavior. We change these things looking on the outside. When God said, if you yearn for that surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, you will change. You will change. It was for Paul an instant. instant miracle of God's grace. And it's the same thing today. You and I have seen in the last several months, people who have come, sinners who admit that they they have a need and they turn to the Savior by faith. And what happens when Paul met Christ, he realized how futile his good works and how sinful he was, was in comparisons to this greatness of Christ. He understood. See, Paul lost some things, but he gained much more than what he lost. 
So many of us, when we look at our Christianity, we think we lose a lot. I think it's because you don't know. I think it's because you haven't come to the understanding how great God loves you, how he wants you to understand that he is for you, not against you. Now, Paul says in Philippians 3, 7, but what things were, were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So here, all of these things that he gained before Jesus, and it was much beloved. He was right up there. He said, I count it all lost. And the word count means to evaluate, to assess. Few people today sit down long enough to weigh seriously the values of what controls their decisions and their directions. In order to grow, we need to be like Paul. We need to first count, evaluate, assess what we know. And we need to see if that knowing has brought change into our life. Because, beloved, I've known a lot of people who know a lot about God but don't know him personally. I know a lot of people who do all of the religious things. They come to church, they pay their tithes, they sing the songs, but they are still the same after 12 years of getting knowledge. That knowledge has to be something that we experience, and we only do that when we submit, we wait, we watch, and then we join him, which we're going to see in a few minutes. The knowledge you have, is it the right knowledge of God? Is it the right measurement? Many people that I know that love God, but somewhere down the road, they started accumulating a knowledge of their own. They have built their own standard. I, I, I remember the story in Jeremiah 2, where Jeremiah the prophet was sent to awaken the, uh, the southern kingdom that... that that, that they were going to take, be taken captive. And God didn't want them to be captive. God doesn't want you to stay captive. He doesn't want you to be bound by your bitterness and bound by your fear. He wants you free. His people in that particular time had heard the message. They had a lot of knowledge. And God says to him, you go and tell them. You tell them I have two things against you, that you have forsaken the fountain of living waters and turned to broken cisterns. How many times? God says, come this way. If you come this way, I will heal you. I will set you free. But what you do is you turn away from the fountain of living waters and you go to broken cisterns. You and I know that broken cisterns keep no water. So you're forever pouring water, trying to keep up with what's going on. Beloved, there is a time that your knowledge has to come to that place where you yield and say, God, what is it that you're trying to show me? Paul is a great example, unfortunately, that at one point with the knowledge he had, it was the wrong knowledge. It was based on man's standards, not on God. We love to fashion for ourselves our own God because we don't want to be moved to where we need to be. But beloved, you are forfeiting the very power that Paul is talking about. That's why he says, I want to know Christ so he can undo all of that knowledge that he picked up beforehand. I want to know his power that he could understand that it was not in his own strength that he will experience freedom. It will be the strength of another. And here Paul said, because I know that he had the wrong knowledge because he was part of how he persecuted. He persecuted the the, the church of Christ. He stoned Stephens, and he thought he was okay. Have you ever seen that? Have you seen people say, well, no, no, I'm okay. But you know they're not okay. 
And then they can tell you a whole bunch of things about God, but their life does not reflect the life of Jesus. We must love them enough to know and tell them, you must understand if you have knowledge, you must walk it. And the way that we can walk it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. God did not leave us as orphans. He gave us all that we need to go from point A to point C. But we must be willing to love and believe and trust. But one day, Paul he saw himself, and he started comparing himself to Jesus. Mm. I think all of our lives would change if we started doing that. It was then that he changed his evaluation and his value. He abandoned all the standards that he erected and the ones that man had given him, and he started comparing himself to Christ, and he returned to the living standards Paul looked at his own record and discovered that he was spiritually bankrupt. He was spiritually bankrupt. And if we measure with the wrong stick, beloved, when we measure with the wrong thing, we will always end up bankrupt, broken, and lost. See, when a person becomes a Christian, God takes away the bad, but he also gives, he takes the good and makes it better. And I love this picture before, right beside it says, without the messy middle, we miss the beauty of the transformation. We are so busy trying to hide our messy middle because for fear of being exposed and being rejected that we don't understand that God loves the messy middle. And in that messy middle, he could use it to start proclaiming how great and powerful he can be. That means that when people saw me who I was many years ago, I am no longer her today. As a matter of fact, if I struggle with something tomorrow, I know my hallelujah dance is that God can do the impossible with me. And all I need to do is submit. I need to watch and wait and then join him when he tells me go this way. We know that God wants to transform us. Paul knew it wasn't about the mess. About, it was about the transformation that comes from knowing him. Many of us are so distracted today. Many of us, as I look back in the last five months of this COVID-19, what COVID-19 should have done for us was to bring us to that place of the all-surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. But many of us have pursued other things. And what COVID-19 showed is that it just exposed it. Great. It's a good place to start. Because if you don't see your bankruptcy, then you'll never realign your heart or get rid of the broken cistern and go after the living water. That's why God exposes. But now I believe God is calling us to stand one more time. For Paul, the only thing that ultimately counted was knowing the Lord and being obedient to his will. He was singular in his pursuit of God. His experience with Christ was so tremendous that his life changed completely. He experienced this continuously as the years followed. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was forever. How Do you long to change? Do you long to experience God's power to change your, your attitude and, and your thoughts? Well, that's what God does. He's in that plan. He wants to do this. And that's how Paul understood. He needed his own personal experience. That's why he says, I want to know him. I want to know him, to simply enjoy him. No other motives. 
You see, he was a lover of God, not a user of God. And so many of God's people, they go and they say, God, I need this and I need that. There's a good time for that, beloved. But whatever happened for us just to go into his presence and just enjoy him by reading his word and waiting upon him to see what he wants. You see, the Bible tells me that he delights over me, that he's singing songs over me, that his joy is complete when I come to him. And it's amazing that we don't even experience that. A love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in our life. Wormsby says this, Christianity is Christ. Salvation is knowing him in a personal way so that in knowing him and his power, we grow in our character and in the way we perceive and respond to life's event. So if you look at life's event with COVID-19, have you evaluated, assessed how you have been reflecting Christ or not? How have you been responding to all of these, uh, these changes? When we get to a place where we can trust God to guide one step at a time, we experience new revelations of God's character, which sets us in that pattern of freedom, and we, we get free from worry, fear, anxiety, and whatever else you are struggling with. I had this woman this morning who came to me and said, you know, I have for years tried to run away with a thought that I could not honor my mom, and I could not forgive her for what she has done. And she said, I've done everything. I moved away, I came back. I moved away, I came back. And to discover, I knew what God was asking me to do, but I did not want to do it. I need help, can you help me? And I went, yep, I'm going to help you. Because practically, God gives us all the answers we need spiritually. He gives us the way out, beloved, but many of us don't want to take it. And he has something for us. See, the idea behind Paul and saying that we need, in growing and knowing was this. He wanted the life of Christ, of Christ to be reproduced in himself. He wanted that life to be reproduced. His desire to know Christ was about letting God move through him so that everyone else can see God move through an individual. Have we ever considered that? See, people are watching. They're, they're watching to see how you're going to be responding. People are looking for the reality of what we are preaching. When we say, oh, I know God, I'm a Christian, they're watching. They're watching what kind of ripple effect do your life, what is it, what's happening? I know this because this is something that God shared with me many years ago through a hymn, where I realized that this, my events, my pain, my suffering was not just about me. It was about him. It was about me knowing him in that place personally for myself to know him, but also is to reflect for others because sometimes others need to see it in other people first. Does that make sense? Yes. So now I do know that we need the word of God to show us how to do this. It's virtually impossible to know God, to love him, to believe, to trust, and to obey without the word. You see, Blackaby says this. Unfortunately, today, Christians are becoming more and more disoriented to the Bible as a guide for faith and practice. 
Because of this, because of this, Christians turn to worldly solutions, programs, and methods that appear to be the answer to their spiritual problems. And lo and behold, beloved, there's many good things out there, but in the end of the end, it is really only God that could heal you from the inside out. It is God that actually can actually take your past and create such an event with it that you can actually rise up and use it for his kingdom to help others who are in darkness. The Holy Spirit and the word of God will instruct you and help you to know when and where God is working. Once you know where he is working, you learn how to trust him in order to adjust your life and join him where he is. Let me give you an example. Now, Blackaby talks about the importance that when you're going through something, you need to learn how to submit it. You need to learn how to wait. That's the quiet time to watch. That's being alert of what's going on. And then to join them, that means the obedience, the the step, the action step. When my precious Jen was pregnant with Sammy, at 36 weeks, we discovered that Sammy had stopped growing in her womb. Now, I remember when we were going to the hospital day in and day out every week, I started recognizing after two weeks that the baby had not grown. And for me as a nurse, you know, I didn't go to God right off the bat. I went to me. And I started getting very worried and fearful about what was going to happen to this baby. And I I had to tell you, it was a very scary time for me. When they said the placenta was about 12% and she still had several weeks to go, I thought of the intrauterine growth restriction. This is what they were thinking of, is that something in her uterine with the placenta was causing the growth restriction to the baby. I, right off the bat, my heart was broken. I was fearful. For two, three days, I was pacing the floors. I couldn't understand how I was going to get over this. How was I going to help? But I I knew I couldn't run with this. So at one point or another, I remember I needed to stay quiet. I needed to submit the fear and the concerns I had for Jan and for my, my future grandson, Sammy. I, re- I realized that I needed to be purposeful and just waiting upon God. And then he gave me this verse in Isaiah 42, 2. He says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. I Something rose up within me realizing that God was saying, I need you to join me now. I need you to trust me with this word while you're going through the next several weeks. Now, I had a choice. God promised that he would be watchful over my precious Sammy. And then I, I, I purposely watched to see how he was going to answer that prayer. I saw how the nurses came into play, how the doctor and the specialist came into play, how God had given Jen a peace above all things. I understood God was in my midst. And he was actually being faithful to what he had given me. He now was inviting me to join him in believing that he would do what he said he would do. He would protect Sammy and and Jen. For six weeks, he was inviting me to believe and to trust. Now, that meant the fear came up, anxiety came up, but I had a choice, either to do it God's way or to do it my way. 
Through this experience, I realized once again that God was able, that, that he was reliable, trustworthy, almighty, and all-powerful. I got to know God more than I've ever known him before because of this experience. My love for him increased. I started believing the impossible. I realized that nothing could happen unless he permitted it. I trusted him with this word, and I understood. When he told me to move, I moved. When he told me to shut down the thought, I shut down that thought. I got to know him in this. My faith grew. My love for God grew. Many things got solidified. I went to the right measuring stick to God's word, and I got a word from him. And you know the end of the story. She had a marvelous delivery, and the baby came out perfect. Like, really perfect. This is what Paul is trying to show us. See, I pursued God in the greatest fear that any grandmother could ever go through. I pursued him, and I met him. I wanted to know him in this, and I wanted to reflect Christ in it as well. See, we need to know today that God loves you. His will for you is always best. He is all-knowing, so his directions are always right. He has given his commands so that you may prosper in your time of need. I prospered in my time of need, and my life became to the fullest. As I close this morning, we need to recognize that Paul gained far more than he lost. And because of it, he had a joy. His life did not depend on the things or the people, but on the eternal values found in Christ. Wormsby said this about Paul. Paul had a spiritual mind and looked at things of earth from heaven's point of view. You see, if I know that God is good, that he's in control, that I must look to heaven for the point of view. People who live for things are never really happy, nor can they ever experience Christian joy. The biggest reason is that their focus is constantly on how to protect their treasures for fear of losing it. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter, but nothing could snatch away the joy of knowing Christ. He was in chain, but nothing could move him away from pursuing God, even in that worst predicament. So what about you? What are you pursuing today? What measurement do you use to make your decisions? Is knowing Christ and developing a relationship with him a priority? All you have to do is what do you spend most time doing? You can, and by, doing by looking at that, you will see what your priority is. If you're fretting, that's your priority. If it's mindless entertainment, that's your priority. If it's work and, you know, drivenness, that's your priority. You understand you're pursuing something. To count is to evaluate and assess. Paul lived for Christ. He took up his cross and followed him, and the result was a life that impacted everyone who was around him. 
For years, as I said to the people this morning, for years I used to say, I just want to leave a ripple effect. As I'm studying his, his life, I'm going, oh, forget that. Paul didn't leave a ripple effect. He left a tidal wave. I want to be one like that. I want to leave a tidal wave where I can affect others to desire the things of God and know that nothing, no darkness, nothing that has happened to us can cause us to remain there. God is much bigger. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Maybe now is a good time for you to become an accountant, to evaluate your life with the things that matter the most to you. Maybe it's time that you start pursuing, growing, and knowing, just like Paul. Not, it's not a one-time deal, beloved. You don't leave this place knowing that you're going to be all completed. No, it is a journey. Let me show you the last verse that says this. Not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I what press on that I may hold that I may lay hold of what of that for which, for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. You see, Jesus laid hold of Paul first, and at that moment Paul said, "Now I need to lay hold of him." Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Last one, verse 14. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, our biggest purpose, beloved, is to resemble Christ for a lost world. Our husbands need it. Our wives need it. Our children need it. And when we grab a hold of Christ and when we grow in our knowing, we start impacting people in ways that we could never imagine. And it is not even in our own strength to do it. We just have to submit, wait, watch, and join him when he shows you to go. So we're going to actually finish this service with a song called Draw Me Close to You. Like I said, you probably had a chance to evaluate and assess your life. Maybe you've come to the conclusion you're spiritually bankrupt. But you know, like Paul, he says, I have not attained it yet. See, that's the beauty of the love of God. He can take you right where you are and say, hey, if you admit and you actually come to me, I'm going to lift you up from that place. You see, he's lifted me up from the miry clay. I stopped counting how many times. All he wanted me to do is get up and go forward again. Let this song be a song of prayer for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We know that God wants to be there for you today. So let me pray for you as, you, um, as we finish off this service. I want to thank you for joining us and for coming in service here with us. But remind yourself that it's just not about knowledge. We can have a lot of information, beloved, but we need to actually experience it. And that means just being practical with that knowledge. God, can you be there for me? And he wants to show himself on that part. So let me pray for you that God will use what you heard today and that you will have that time to evaluate and just go back to him and cry out like Paul, I want to know you. I want to know you. And he will answer that prayer. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, for the word that is sound, the word that is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you, God, that you've given us a word of encouragement, of challenge, that you love us, and Lord, that you come to meet us exactly where we need. Lord, some of us are in need. Some of us need direction. Some of us need strength and grace. God, meet them where where they're asking. God, I know, Lord, that there's something that you're doing in our lives today. I see it all around me, God. It's, it's, It's an impossibility to believe that you're not there. God, I thank you for your revelation. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the blessing. And I also thank you, Lord, that you will keep us and sustain us in the days to come. Just be our portion this day and go with them, Lord. Bless them with your presence. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for joining Living Hope, and may we see you next week or any other services during the, uh, during the week. Take care.